Yeah, well, we, yes, it is. We always love our fives and zeros, right? So, yeah, this is 275. So put it down. All right, are you ready to go, Reg? Good. Let's do it. Um, I will give you the uh, three S's in the countdown, and you give me the music, and then I will give you episode 275 of a podcast. How's that? All right. Ready to go? Very good, sir. All right. Three S's. Star, smile, strong. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. But most importantly, get out there and spread the word. That's part of your job as a listener. Not just being passive, but also being aggressive. So send a link, send a message, call your friends, call your family, call anybody you know who listens to podcasts, and tell them that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Also, go to WGNRadio.com, go to the podcast section, click the prompt, the prompt for this podcast, and you will find all previous, I hope they're all there previous podcast that we've done here for the last five years since May of 2016. There should be 274 all jammed in that vault somewhere. On the floor, on the ceiling, under the table, stuck between books. They're all over the place, but they're there. So check them out. See what we've been up to for the last five years or the last five weeks or the last five days. And get yourself caught up, because this is episode 275. So, I'm not sure how much you've been paying attention to things in the news. No, I'm not talking about the uh, continual COVID spread. No, I'm not talking about the chaotic situation in Afghanistan. No, what I'm talking about has been, I think, a story, incredibly, one of the major stories of this year, beginning at the beginning of, of 2021, pretty much around January or February, and going right up until now. And it's still not over. We thought it was over, but it is not over. The story that has dominated the Internet, at least, Hopefully it hasn't dominated your life. That's part of my my topic here today. Hopefully it has not dominated your life. But if it has, then I I think it's time to um you know throw a little water on your face um and and get our priori- priorities back in into in line because I, those other two issues I talked about like perhaps the covid situation or uh perhaps uh you know What's going on in Afghanistan and around the world, those are things that affect people and can affect us 
our lives in a, in a very important and serious way, health-wise, safety-wise, the real stuff. Unfortunately, in today's world, it, it seems like we don't either want to deal with the real stuff or we don't care about the real stuff, which is also a sad and telling truth into um, where we are today. And it may be contributing to where we are today, which is seems to be just floating around in limbo. I, I don't know where we're at right now. But there has been one story that, uh, for better or worse, has been seems like it's been going on forever. As I said before, it seemed like it was finally coming to an end. Um, but when it did come to an end, I guess it didn't come to the end that many people wanted it to. And so now it has continued. And perhaps it will finally end and have the resolution that apparently is very important. And that at least to the social media world, which is a scary place, which is what I also want to mention today, uh, <laughs> Uh, will will end the way at least a vocal minority, I think, uh, cares. But they are very vocal, and they apparently have some clout, which is disturbing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you have been in jeopardy for quite a while in terms of your pop culture acumen. And there's a hint right there. Yes. Since the beginning of this year, the naming of the new host of TV's ultimate now, I guess, game show, Jeopardy, has been the burning question. There have been many issues that have taken up headlines over the last eight, almost nine months now of this year, including you know, vaccinations, including now the fourth surge of COVID, including a huge infrastructure bill that may hopefully uh, have an impact on all our lives as we travel around, whether it's around the block or around the world, the roads you drive on, the viaducts you drive under, the airports that you go to, the uh, the trains that you may ride on, the highways that you drive on, the streets that you drive on, um, all that is impacted by the upcoming infrastructure bill. So that is certainly a big thing. And then, of course, now in the last uh, month or so, we have been dealing with uh, a crisis overseas with the fall of the Afghanistan government and the rise again 20 years later and how ironic that uh, as <laughs> the 20th anniversary of 9-11 approaches quickly, um, 20 years and uh, where are we at? We're back right where we started from. Oh, yeah, certainly, uh, you know, we, we, we killed Osama bin Laden. But uh, as I've said many times before, his legacy and his influence continues. And the Taliban was in control 20 years ago and gave Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden safe haven to plot and scheme the 9-11 tragedy, terrorist act. And 20 years later, after we spent billions and 
sacrificed American lives in a, in a war, in an occupation, in, in an effort to uplift that government, and also for our own security and safety so that we would not have safe havens for, tour, for terrorists to plot against us. We invaded Afghanistan, and 20 years later, we left without really too much in the end game to show. Yes, we killed Osama bin Laden, but you know he was a figurehead, and he now is a martyr, and uh, there are still terrorists out there, and there are still terrorist organizations out there. So we'll see what happens, but my point is there have been a lot of things very important things that have been happening to our world and our lives in the last nine months. But if you want, if you follow the internet with any kind of regularity, you will know that all those things, especially here in Chicago, the crime rate uh, has skyrocketed with shootings and killings and uh, police officers have been injured and killed. Um, so it's been a very tough year and it's been a very tough several years. If we really want to want to be honest about it long before COVID things were not on an uphill swing. Let's be honest. But, um, but now things seem to be just, uh, whoa. So I don't know if, if this jeopardy story has been a way for people to find an escape from the bad news or if we are so isolated and insulated that many people don't even care or worry about what's going on in the real world and instead just find things like who's the new Jeopardy host going to be as a major part of their daily life because as i said if you want if you are an internet uh scroller surfer whatever you want to call it um every day every week since february there has been a story about jeopardy now a little backstory of course in uh, march of 2019 much to the surprise of everybody the host of Jeopardy since 1984, the new revamped version, Alex Trebek, shocked people by announcing that he had terminal pancreatic cancer. Now, what uh, was shocking about that is that Alex Trebek certainly looked very healthy. He certainly aged well. He had his distinguished gray with him. Always a, a very well put together, nice looking guy, and aged well. And Jeopardy over the years, since his version, the revamped version in 1984, uh, it really has become the ultimate game show, the most popular game show. Yes, there is Price is Right. Yes, there is Wheel of Fortune. Um, but Jeopardy was a little different in that it was a little brainy. So it, it wasn't just all screaming. And it wasn't just all luck. It was a show that people enjoyed watching uh, to learn from, to play along with, 
you know, those other shows like Wheel of Fortune and uh, Price is Right, they've been around forever, no question, very popular. But, uh, you know, on the intellectual side, uh, there's not much there, right? On uh, on Price is Right, everybody uh, is screaming and jumping around and acting like fools and uh, basically, you know, bidding on on grocery items and winning cars and uh, it seems like in the last 10 or 15 years uh the games have gotten a lot easier for people to win on that i think they they're realizing that uh, people like to see people win and it seems like there's a lot more winners on the prices right than there used to be is it just me i don't know um you can't you can't change the prices but you can certainly make the games a little easier and I think they have, but that's just my own observation. But in terms of a a game show that that requires maybe some knowledge or skill, uh, you know, Price is Right is 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 what it is. It's 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 entertainment value, right? Everybody's jumping around and screaming and 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 winning prizes, and that's what they like. You spin the wheel. It's got everything. It's got you know little chance in there. And uh, a little fun and a little excitement and everybody does high fives and dances and, and that's what it is. And of course, Wheel of Fortune has been around forever with Pat Sajak and Vanna White. And uh, it's totally luck there, spin of the wheel. Um, takes a little, takes a little brain power to figure out the uh, the puzzles. But even that now has come down to a... A science. I mean, when everybody has to pick a consonant, everybody always picks the R's and the N's and whatever it is. I'm not a big um, Wheel of Fortune fan. I don't really watch it all that much. Uh, but certainly it's been around forever, and it's very popular, and it will be forever. But it's kind of mindless game show entertainment. Jeopardy, on the other hand, was at least, uh, and, and, and also, uh, you know, it, it sort of got a little self-important and took itself a little seriously, I think. And... and in, in part because Alex Trebek sort of seemed to cast that air of uh, that he, he became a quasi-intellectual on that show. He always acted like he already knew the answers, like, oh, no, it's the Rhine River, right? The Rhine, you know. So he'd always act like he already knew the answers. And, of course, you know, he speaks French because he is from Canada. And every so often he would flaunt, you know, flaunt his expertise uh, and and use some french words or his his thick french pronunciation to once again add a little air of uh, quasi intellectual uh uh you know atmosphere around the show but there's no question that th- there's no doubt that the questions uh are they take a little uh, take a little knowledge and so that was what set jeopardy apart is that it wasn't just craziness it, it it wasn't all about screaming and yelling and high fives and jumps and dances it wasn't about uh you know spinning a wheel and, and games of chance there was some chance involved you can get the daily double and things like that but it was really based on intellect and strategy you know which uh you know how much were you going to bet at the end based on your knowledge so it was a knowledge-based show and i give america credit for appreciating a knowledge-based show because for the most part, we do seem to be a frivolous society. And so there's no question that a show like uh, like Wheel of Fortune or Price is Right, which is 
a a very kind of you know crowd pleasing show. It's there for the effect. Uh, would you know? It's there for mass consumption. Would be so popular, no question about that. But the fact that Jeopardy was able to become so popular, while it is considered this kind of brainy egghead show amongst the game shows. Now, certainly, it's it's not the uh, you know it's not a Mensa test, but it's certainly several levels of difficulty and you know in terms of knowledge than some of the more popular game shows. Now, what I have always found interesting, I've, I've, I started to watch uh, Jeopardy uh, when it first came on in the mid-'80s. Um, but it, it is funny how the show and Alex Trebek over the last 30-some years, I mean, 37 years, think about that, uh, have it, it, the show has elevated in its overall appeal, in its overall reputation, it's become an institution. It's become a pop culture and cultural institution, certainly in this country. Alex Trebek, as I said, nice enough guy, a very pleasing guy, uh, had been on many game shows before Jeopardy, and even while he was hosting Jeopardy for a while in the 80s, he was also doing some other shows. So, I, I mean, initially, I don't think that Alex even thought that hosting Jeopardy would become such a honored and respected uh part of of the culture i think for him it was it was a nice gig but he was also at the same when while he was hosting jeopardy in the late 80s he was also hosting another show called classic concentration which was a revamp of a of an earlier show from many years before the other hosts had done it so at that time Alex was still kind of like, yeah, okay, I'm the host of Jeopardy, but I also could use another gig here. But then it became apparent as time went on and the ratings soared that Jeopardy was the gold standard and Alex could not be slumming around (laughs) on other game shows. You, Alex, are the host of Jeopardy. I mean, that is like the president of the United States of game shows. You don't have any other jobs. Now, Alex, as you know, uh, parlayed the the new persona that he was able to nurture over the last you know thirty some years as the host of this well respected brainy game show called Jeopardy into becoming one of the most trusted TV um, personalities. So not just popular, but also trusted enough where then you saw him doing commercials. He was the spokesman for, for a, a life insurance policy that was on for many years because clearly he had a reputation of people liking and trusting him. He was like the Walter Cronkite of game shows. So there's been a great transformation of both that show, Jeopardy, as well as Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek... I remember, I mean, you know, as a young kid, very young kid in the early 70s, mid-70s, seeing Alex Trebek, I used to watch the game shows in the morning like everybody did and in the afternoon. Uh, And I remember seeing Alex Trebek on a show called High Rollers with Ruta Lee. (laughs) It was kind of like a dice show. 
He was on Double Dare. It's not the one that was on Nickelodeon. It was another one. Um, he was, as I said, on Classic Concentration. He also was on a revamp of uh, the the well-known uh, game show from the 60s, To Tell the Truth. So Alex was a journeyman quiz master. He wasn't always this, this lauded and... Um, and respected and uh, and highfalutin guy, he was a quiz master. Now you also have to understand that in the history of television, the the game show host or the quiz master, and I say that quiz master like that because I'm referencing an episode of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, which is which is which 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 really is an example of what I'm trying to say here. The, the role of the game show host or the quiz master in television, in show business, was not as high profile or in such great esteem as it seems to be today. I mean, if you're the, if you're the host of a game show, that's a big deal. You are high on the rung now in show business. But that was not the case. Uh, as I said many times, I watch a, um, uh, regularly, I watch a, 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 a cable and, a, and an over, it's the same, it's, it's over the air too, um, station network called Buzzer, B-U-Z-Z-R. You might have it on your cable or satellite system, or you can get it over the air. And it's similar to the game show network, which most cable systems and uh, satellite systems carry as well. Uh, where they show old game shows. I think the Game Show Network shows a f- has a few more newer and original uh, shows or you know re- reboots of older shows. But Buzzer, for the most part, is all reruns from game shows from the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. And I enjoy watching those, even though I've seen them a million times. I grew up with those. I was always a TV fanatic. And you, you have to understand, but that before the um, the, the mid '80s and '90s, when the uh, the soap operas really took took hold, and then after the soap operas, um, the the talk shows, because of Oprah, she's you know she started a whole new genre, but game shows used to dominate. It was game shows and soap operas that dominated the morning and midday programming on the networks. So Price is Right was on at 9 o'clock in the morning, and, and it was followed in line by, you know, from almost 9 to noon. There was, you know, you have to remember, you know, once again, 40 years ago or so, there was no news at noon. Now we have news everywhere. There's news, on obviously, on the 24-hour cable networks, but even some of the regular stations have a an 11 o'clock in the morning or a noon newscast that was not the case there was re, there was there was regular programming the news was only on in, in the early morning and then at like five or six o'clock at night and then at 10 that was it now uh, some stations like here in Chicago WGN TV um, the almost the whole day is news when you think about it they start their news day at four. They go almost till one, 
I believe in September they're going to move back the Rachel Ray show and have a newsish kind of magazine show in between the end of their morning news that ends at 10 and their 11 o'clock news, which goes till 1. So it's almost going to be a, a total news block from 4 in the morning, news-oriented kind of shows from 4 in the morning till 1 in the afternoon till they bring Maury on. Uh, but that was not the case 30 or 40 years ago. Most television networks were a mix of game shows and soap operas from the early morning till the afternoon, and then the news started at 4.30 or 5. But it was that. And as I said before, then in the 90s, late 80s and early 90s, then the talk shows started with Oprah and then Geraldo and Jer- uh, Sally Jesse Raphael and uh, Jenny Jones and Ricky Lake. And uh, for a while, anybody with a microphone was getting a shot at a, at a daytime talk show. Uh, you know, obviously Jerry Springer and things like that. And then, of course, and then at the same time, we also had, uh, you know, Judge Wapner with People's Court. And now we have all those court shows. So I got news for you, folks. Uh, in the last 40 or 50 years, television really hasn't changed that much. Because <laughs> we still have game shows. It's sort of come full circle. Now we have game shows. The irony is that now the game shows are in the in the prime time. They used to be considered less than uh you know less than entertainment they were time killers and this is what i'm saying about the role of the game show host was not such a prestigious role now game shows are being hosted by celebrities and they are in prime time ten thousand dollar pyramid press your luck uh match game there's all new versions of those shows in prime time. You know, Family Feud still is on all the time, day on, during the day, uh, in the early evening, and on prime time. It's amazing, the, the longevity of that show. But as I was saying before, in the early days, the game show was certainly a popular uh genre and it actually in the early days of television it was prime time because there wasn't a lot of programming and don't forget television in the early days in the 50s and 60s was really an outgrowth of what was popular on the radio what was popular on the radio which was the dominant entertainment format before television Many of the people that were stars on radio transitioned onto television, at least initially, because they had solid, loyal audiences. Now, some made the transition from radio to television, and some didn't. Milton Berle, for instance, you know, was 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 on the radio, but uh, he did. And he was one of the first television shows. But he didn't really stay on that long. He's no, Uncle Milty is known more because he was among the first, but he didn't have a long career on television. Now, Bob Hope, for instance, was on radio, one of the biggest stars in the world on radio, and, and smoothly made the transition onto television and had his own show and then specials and was on television until his 90s, probably long, before he, long after he should have been on health-wise. 
And people like George Burns and Gracie Allen had television shows. And Jack Benny had television shows. They all had major radio careers. And they transitioned. Same thing with the game shows. Quiz shows, as they were called, were on the radio. And many of the announcers who were the hosts of those shows on the radio, then they brought those shows to television in those early days. They had to find, you know, to, to populate and to get people to buy televisions, they had to find what, were, what, would, people, what would prompt people to go and, and spend a little more money, sometimes a lot more money in those days, to start this new medium. And so they went with the established stars and the established types of shows that were popular on the radio. That's why what's so ironic is today we've got all these talent shows, right? The Voice, American Idol, all those talent shows were also on the radio and were huge uh, ratings getters and huge popular shows on the radio before television. And they initially came to television, but they didn't really have the staying power, which is ironic now that, you know, once again, 50 years later, now it's, ta- it's talent shows. America's Got Talent are dominating again. There's only been about five real entertainment ideas, folks. <laughs> We've just found new ways to uh, to update them for the times. But if you think about it, there really haven't been that many uh, original ideas. <laughs> We've re- we just keep revamping them. And so when television then began to um, really take hold and stars were being made and, and primetime television began to take a hold with uh, with real types of entertainment, scripted shows like The Twilight Zone or Playhouse 90, and then the sitcom with Lucy and the Honeymooners. Um, then the game shows lost their appeal, their ability to, to gain big audiences, and also, just from a historical standpoint, and if you've ever seen the film Quiz Show, uh, this based on something real uh, with Ray Fiennes, um, there was a huge scandal involved, which really put a, 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 a big black mark on the quiz show as a genre because the producers were caught uh, cheating and giving one of the popular contestants the answer so that he would continue to win because the show was getting such great ratings. And there was a lot of accusations and a lot of finger pointing and there was an investigation and... Um, some people were you know, were punished, and 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 I don't know if they ever, if anybody went to jail necessarily, but they were certainly uh, you know their careers were hurt. But then they later on came back. But at the end of the show, at, at the end of the day, it is a game show, right? I mean, the end of the world here. But um, but you know, so so game shows did have a sort of a black mark on them, and then that's I think to some extent why they were relegated. They were still popular. And they were able to get over that suspicion. They certainly. Uh, in the 60s and 70s made it very clear when there was even a, a hint that uh, oh no just so you know uh, the, that that question was 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 not was illegal and we changed it they wanted to make sure that everybody knew and felt that that the game shows were not fixed and that the, everything was above board because of that game show scandal earlier on a show called 21 which was hosted by Jack Barry and if you have any kind of knowledge of game shows, you know that in the 70s, then Jack Barry, even though he was part of that whole scandal, 
Um, then he came back to host Joker's Wild, which then about two or three years ago was brought back and Snoop Dogg hosted a version of the Joker's Wild. So as I said, none of these game shows ever go away. They just get new hosts and new sets. <laughs> but the game show and the game show host was not viewed with much esteem or legitimacy. It was among the lowest rung on the showbiz ladder. And as I mentioned, the, the term quiz master, I make a reference because there's a great episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show where Ted Baxter, the WGM, WJM news anchorman, um, w- was offered a game show. And a lot of times, as I said before, a lot of uh, announcers and, and news people, I believe Mike Wallace of 60 Minutes, right? The, 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 the reporter's reporter. He asked the tough questions. He didn't back down. He was fearless and merciless, right? Mike Wallace, the, the father of Chris Wallace, who's now on Fox. Mike Wallace, known as the ambush reporter on 60 Minutes. You know, he made his, his career as being the rough and tumble uh, you know, hardest interview on television. He also hosted game shows. <laughs> At the end of the day, they're all in showbiz, folks, even journalists. And so, uh, as I said, many times, announcers, radio announcers, became hosts of game shows on the radio. And then when the transition came to bring those radio shows to television, the popular ones who made a name uh, with a specific show moved on to the television version. And so many of the initial game show hosts or quiz masters were radio broadcasters in their early careers. Or sometimes they were, you know, failed actors, but they, didn't, they had such a, a, you know, an unimpressive uh, acting career that they went into that because they weren't making it in the acting world. But in the 60s, and especially in the 70s then, there was this small little group, this small little cadre of game show hosts. And they were well-spoken. They, they all came from broadcasting in some way or acting. So they all had the ability, and they were, mostly, they were, they were, they were nice-looking, good-looking, mostly men, all men, mostly white, if not all of them. Um, they all spoke well. They were amiable. They had a little sense of humor. And, uh, and they basically dominated the game show world for a good 20-some years. So people like Bob Barker and people like Alan Ludden and Tom Kennedy and Jack Nars and Gene Rayburn, uh, they, and, and then later on, as I said, Alex Trebek, uh, Bob Eubanks from the, uh, the newlywed game fame and Jim Perry from sale of the century and card sharks. They used to just, and Bill Cullen, who was the original host of the price is right in the late fifties and early sixties on television, Bill Cullen. It was not Bob Barker. Bob Barker wound up hosting, getting the hosting job of The Price is Right when it was revamped, once again, brought back in the early 70s. But 
Bill Cullen, who then went on to host other game shows like uh, Blockbusters and uh, and Child's Play, uh, he went through the the gamut. They would. Uh, it was amazing. It, most of these game shows had a thirteen week original contract to see how they would do in the ratings. They were they were game shows were so disposable. They just came and went because they were popular in theory, and some became institutions like The Price Is Right and and Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, like I said. But there were others that just came and went. They were on for six months. They were on for three months, and then a new one started again. Of course, if you watch any kind of game shows uh, with any kind of regularity from, from, from those glory days, you will see the name Goodson Todman, Mark Goodson and Bill Todman Productions, and they really had the corner on the game shows dating back to the early 60s. And I believe now, I mean, they both passed away and they've sold, the companies have been sold, but all those game shows that you even see today, the new versions, like Michael Strahan with the you know, $100,000 Pyramid and Alec Baldwin with Match Game and Steve Harvey with Family Feud, those were all produced by Goodson Todman. And most of the game shows like Price is Right, all the major ones, Password, you name it, at the end, it's the Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. And later on, Bill Todman died in the mid-'80s, and it just became Mark Goodson. But you will see that name, Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production, on most of the uh, the well-known and established game shows that have been on reruns or in new versions for the last 50 years. To tell the truth, what's my line? All Goodson, Todman. Um, but as I said... Uh, there was a small group of those people. In fact, a little, little, uh, little tidbit here. Uh, the, the game show host, Tom Kennedy, who did several uh, shows. My favorite of the Tom Kennedy ones was a show called Split Second, which then Monty Hall also from Let's Make a Deal fame. He also did another updated version of that. They used to give away cars on Split Second. You'd play the game. And then the, 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 the cool thing was you would, they would open up the set if you won and there would be a set of cars and you would choose a car and you would get in it and you would turn the key. And if it started, you won the car. And if you didn't, then you would have to come back the next day. And now instead of five cars, you could pick from four cars until hopefully you kept winning and you turned the key that you picked the right one. And it was so great because there was this, there was this moment of, um, of suspense where you sit in the car, the winner would sit in the car and turn the key and you would hear either a or a and if it went you won the car. That was my favorite Tom Kennedy. But Tom Kennedy, he he filled in later when um, when Alan Ludden passed away and got sick uh, when there was a new uh, version of Password called uh, Password Plus. He filled in for Alan and wound up taking that job, taking that job and then later it was reborn again as super password in the mid 80s with Bert Convy who of course hosted Tattletales in the 70s. I'm telling you it was this small little world all these same guys. But just so you know Jack Nars who was another game show host who hosted the original concentration in the 70s and also hosted a show called Now You See It. He was Tom Kennedy's brother. Tom Kennedy's real name 
Last name is Nars. Jack Nars kept his name. Tom Kennedy changed it. But they were brothers. Could you imagine how proud their mom must have been? She gave birth to two game show hosts. <laughs> but there, it really, when, when you look back at the history, it was this small little group that just kept revolving. Well, who's available? Okay, oh, oh, so now Bill Cohen's doing a show? Okay, then get me Eubanks. Oh, okay, uh, Eubanks is working? Get me Nars. Okay, Nars is working? Get me Kennedy. Oh, Kennedy's working? Get me Barker. Okay, Barker's working? You know, Bob Barker, before Price is Right, he is so identified with Price is Right, but he was on several other game shows before that, most uh, prominently Truth or Consequences. There was a lot of different shows. Beat the Clock. I, I believe um, Monty Hall did a version of that. And I think Bob Barker may have done a beat the I mean, same shows from the 50s, just different hosts with different sets. But there was a small little group. And the game show was very popular right up until the mid-80s. And then Oprah came. And when Oprah came, the money that was being generated from the Oprah Winfrey show was too much to resist, and the game show genre, at least in the daytime, basically disappeared. And that's when all the trash TV talk shows came on. And I should mention, just as a little side note, when it started, Oprah Winfrey gave birth to trash TV. A lot of people don't remember that. She's done a good job of rewriting history, but it was Oprah that started all the Jerry Springer type dysfunctional families. She wasn't always this high minded guru about new age philosophies. She actually started finding these dysfunctional families, just like uh, the 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 uh, Doctor Phil show. She started that. Look it up. But then the game show went into kind of oblivion. Um, there, you know. But aside from Jeopardy and and Wheel of Fortune, and Family Feud. They remained on syndication, used to be on in, in, the, in, in the early evening, around 5.30 or 6 or so, or in the late afternoon, just before the, the 4 or 5 o'clock news is where Jeopardy used to be. Uh, you know, and then Wheel of Fortune is usually right after the, uh, the local news. But, but the game show certainly declined. And it got a rebirth then um, about 20 or some years ago, thanks to Regis Philbin, and who wants to be a millionaire? And it was so popular in prime time that, that that's when it really came back. And between Alex Trebek, who helped elevate that idea of a game show host, and then with people like Regis Philbin, who was a celebrity, and then really with the naming of Drew Carey, who gave up pretty much gave up his 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 comedy career to host Price is Right when someone of Drew Carey, who had his own show, was one of the popular stand-up comedians, when he decided to be a full-time quiz master, then all of a sudden it became cool for, 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 for A-list celebrities to host game shows. Or comedians, especially, because they were assumed that you know they had the good personality to do it, and so then all of a sudden, that's when Steve Harvey became a game show. Louis Anderson for a while hosted uh, Family Feud, and you started to see then more name personalities. Alec Baldwin, you know, hosting Match Game. 
but you know the 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 Gene Rayburns and the Tom Kennedys and the uh, you know the the Jack Nars and uh, the Bob Eubanks, the Jim Perrys, they were kind of at the bottom rung. Now the other side of the coin is they may have been on the bottom rung. And they may not have gotten a lot of respect in the showbiz world, but I guarantee you those guys over their careers probably made a really good living because they were always working, because there was always game shows. If they, if they got canceled, a new one came on, and there was Tom Kennedy again, or there was Bob Eubanks again. So I guarantee you that while they may not have uh, been that uh, – you know, prestigious in the showbiz community, I guarantee you they were living in Beverly Hills, they were members of country clubs, and they were doing all right. And, and they were on television, and there was worse ways to make a living. And I mentioned once again, let me get back to the, uh, the Mary Tyler Moore. So there was this episode where Ted Baxter was offered a game show. And he really loved being the host of this game show. And his boss, the hard news, hard you know the the hard news guy Lou Grant, the news director, uh, basically told Ted that he could not have his newsman being the host of some frivolous game show. That's the way game shows were viewed; that they were frivolous and mindless and silly and and um, you know appeal to the lowest common denominator. And 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 and, uh, 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 and and so in his his speech to Ted to try to pump him up to make him feel like he was a journalist and an anchor man and a trusted source for people to get their news, he goes, "Or Ted, do you want to be a quiz master? Do you want to be a quiz master?" And he kind of said it in a in a very disparaging way, like, "You you're an anchor man, Ted." Not a quiz master. That's the way that game show hosts were viewed. But there's no question that Alex Trebek changed all that. Jeopardy, which had been around first in 1964, created by talk show host and and former singer Merv Griffin, who also created Wheel of Fortune. But uh, Jeopardy! was a Merv Griffin creation. It was originally on television in 1964, hosted by a guy named Art Fleming, who was a broadcaster on the radio. And and Jeopardy! was on for 10 years. It was on until 75, and then it lost its popularity and went away. Because then the game shows that were a lot more frivolous started to take hold. You know, like Price is Right, that were more exciting and, and crowd-pleasing, whereas Jeopardy! always had that, that reputation as being kind of brainy, you know, eggheads. But as time has gone on, thankfully, um, knowledge is, uh, to, to some extent, has been valued, right? More people go to college today than ever before. I don't know how much they really learn, but <laughs> they're going to college. But anyway, it was, it was a perfect storm of Alex Trebek, um, hosting that show uh, where he he was smart and savvy in that all those other shows, the contestants and the host 
and the and the game it's and, and you know and the prizes and the lights and the and the noise and the and the craziness that was the lure of those shows but with jeopardy the lure of the show was the game the lure of the show were the questions and the answers the people that like jeopardy want to play along and they want to see how much they know and so where alex trebek was smart was that he did not try to be the show. He let the show be the show, and he just steered it. And by him taking a low-key approach, he actually rose in esteem because he let the game be the star. And that's different than if you watch Wheel of Fortune or if you watch... Price is right. The star, you know, you know, you know, Vanna is there and Pat is there. And on Price is right, it's come on down. And and Drew is there and they're, you know, it's all showbiz. But on Jeopardy, it was low key. There wasn't the the screaming lights, there wasn't the the screaming crowd, there wasn't the come on downs. Uh, it was all kind of, well, what we're doing here is very serious and very intellectual. And, and even Alex, the way he spoke, was always in low tones. He wasn't very excited. It was almost like he was a librarian. It was almost as if the what we're doing here is, is very important work. And good luck to you. And we now go to double jeopardy. Um, every so often, he would lighten things up. But it was all very like, okay, we're here to play Jeopardy. And, you know... People looked at it like this was their one, you know, if, you know, this, in in many people's lives, this was their one moment of, you know, literacy, of knowledge gathering. They, they, they didn't listen in high school or in college, but they, so they, they felt guilty and they watched Jeopardy to maybe make up for what they didn't pay attention to in school. (laughs) So when Alex Trebek announced he had, uh, terminal pancreatic cancer in March of 2019. It was a shock to people, and it really, I mean, you know, Jeopardy by this time, in the 37 years that he hosted, had had become a sacred trust for people. And Alex Trebek was, you know, the ultimate game show host. And now, with him battling cancer, he was this sympathetic, tragic figure who people admired and respected and, yes, probably loved. And uh, he did give a very valiant and courageous fight uh, for more than a year because pancreatic cancer can be, uh, not only is it fatal, but it can be a very quick death. Um, but he, he fought it from when he announced he didn't pass away until November of 2020. So he he was around uh, fighting this disease uh, very admirably. He didn't miss many shows. He was he was on almost right until he passed away, and he went through the the vigorous and the rigorous uh, chemotherapies and the other treatments. But he was strong enough to to really battle through, and uh, and he did gain a lot of respect in people's minds. Not only from what he had hosted before, but then during his illness. And uh, he really defined himself by Jeopardy. I believe that 
when he announced it, I think that the, the producer of the show, Sony Pictures Television, and even Trebek himself, were probably shocked at the outpouring of sympathy and respect for both Alex and the show. And they obviously the show has been tremendously popular. It's been tremendously lucrative for all involved. It's been one of the most uh, you know popular game shows in television history. And as I said, Alex Trebek, you know, has gone on to become uh, you know, the 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 beacon, uh, you know, the, the, the gold standard of game show hosts, of quiz masters. <laughs> but I think even they were shocked at the impact that his announcement had. And it and it posed a very kind of daunting task for the producers, Sony, and the producers themselves of the show. How are we going to find a successor? Could we possibly find someone who could ever succeed Alex Trebek and and capture uh the hearts and minds of the loyal fans? of Jeopardy and add to that a world of social media where everybody in the world literally now has an opinion. Not since the complete bungling of the switch and transition from Jay Leno to Conan O'Brien on The Tonight Show several years ago has anybody screwed up a succession of a popular show? Now, you would think that it couldn't get any worse than what NBC did transitioning from Jay Leno to Conan O'Brien. It was awkward. It was ill-conceived. It felt forced. It wasn't the right move to begin with. Conan O'Brien was not the right guy to host The Tonight Show at that time. And then, of course, you know that Jay Leno wound up taking it over again. It was a complete bungling. I, I don't even think Conan was on for six or seven months. And that had always stood as the worst decision and the worst handling of a, of a, of a succession of a television show until now. You'd think, once again, I always talk about this, learn from history so you don't repeat the mistakes of history, and few people do. The succession and the selection to find a replacement for Alex Rebeck when he passed away took on new meaning, clearly. Because of social media and everything else, Alex Rebeck was now, and, 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 be, and the fact that he was now fighting cancer just elevated him to impossible heights almost sainthood and so the producers i think were caught by surprise to say wow you know this is not just going to be that easy just to find someone and plug in there we're going to have to really think about this which is probably the wrong thing to do they shouldn't have thought because they obviously thought too much with all the attention being brought to the show with Alex Trebek's announcement that he had cancer and the producers seeing this outpouring, this, 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 this genuine outpouring of affection and love for the show and Alex, 
Instead of doing it the right way, they did it the ratings way. And they devised a, a ratings generating, stunt casting, overblown, overhyped, on-air audition scheme. And I call it a scheme because that's what it was. To milk as much as they could out of this, to keep the buzz that Jeopardy now had because of Alex's announcement of his cancer battle, they realized we've, we've got a rare moment here in pop culture or cultural history. Everybody's paying attention to Jeopardy now, so let's keep the attention on us. Let's just not name somebody quickly. Let's draw this out. Let's have an on-air. Let's have all these different people from all different uh, areas, whether it's uh, from the sporting world, from the acting world, from the journalism world, from the TV personality world, from the game show host world, you name it. Let's have all these people come on for a week or so, and we can run this for a while, and people will want to see, you know, they'll enjoy the competition, and they'll want to see who was good and who was bad. They'll debate it on, on social media, and, oh, they had this great big scheme. Well, you know, once again, they didn't realize the importance that this show had. They should have. They, they realized it for the wrong reasons. They looked at it from a monetary standpoint as opposed to how important this show was to people, good or bad, whether that's right or wrong. As I said before, there's a lot of bigger problems in the world, but it is what it is. People had a connection and a love and an affinity for this show. The producers were leveraging that to make money. They didn't realize or they didn't want to realize that this decision was going to be very important. And as I said, it took on you know momentous uh, importance over the last 8 months. So oh, this now this week this person's going to do it. Joe Buck is going to do it. Aaron Rodgers is going to do it. Uh Mayim Balak is going to do it. Uh you know, LeVar Burton's going to do it. You know, it became the big thing. So they were enjoying this 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 almost weekly uh, popularity, but they lost sight of what the real chore was, was to find a successor who would bring the same kind of gravitas, the same kind of class, the same kind of elegance, whatever you want to call it, whatever, whatever Alex Trebek ultimately brought to that show, that's what they needed. But they were turning it into a sideshow. And then, ironically, one of the contenders was one of the show's executive producers who apparently had hosted a game show before in his career and now had been an executive producer and a showrunner on The Price is Right and other shows. So he had kind of a, a game show pedigree, but it was clear that by him being thrust into one of the contenders, that this was an overly ambitious kind of, I want to be on the show. I don't want to be behind the scenes. I want to be on the show. He probably always wanted to be a game show host and never could break in. And then when the celebrity uh, uh, the celebrities started to host them, then he didn't have a chance. But now here was his chance because now it was an open audition. 
So while they were letting this go on for eight months, he snuck himself in there. And they also snuck in one of the, uh, you know, and was, was, was considered and still might be. As, as, as I record this, I don't know. By the time this posts, they may have already named. They may name a new person. Who knows? Because now they're going back to the drawing board. But, uh, you know, Ken Jennings, who was one of the biggest money winners on Jeopardy, was also put in there. So as, 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 as maybe a kind of transition with a connection to the show that fans would accept. And he, while though not a great game show host, at least did have a connection that people were used to seeing him. Because once again, this was a different kind of, of entity here. The fans were very loyal and they needed that kind of connection from the Alex Trebek years. They didn't want something completely new. They wanted Alex's memory and legacy to be a part of the show by the naming of the new host. But the producers went for a very crass stunt casting, your usual open audition thing that turned it into a sideshow. And then after eight and a half months, who do they wind up naming? The unknown camera-hungry, over-ambitious producer of Jeopardy, a guy named Mike Richards, who apparently did an okay job. But he certainly didn't have the name or the cachet that many of the other auditioners had over the last eight months. And so it seemed like it was rigged from the beginning. Like they almost knew they wanted to give it to him but they didn't want to make it look like it was such an inside job. So they created this big uh, you know, charade of all these other people who probably didn't have a chance. It's, it's smacked of nepotism, of self-importance, everything it shouldn't have by naming him. Now, there's not to say that he wasn't maybe the best and maybe the most qualified. Because, once again, as I said before, the reason why Alex Trebek was good is because he... he he didn't dominate the show. So maybe you don't want a real big name to host Jeopardy because the game is the star. So Mike Richards, in theory, may have been the right selection. He was selected in the wrong way. They shouldn't have had this big charade, this big air on-air audition. What they should have done, while Alex was still alive, while he was still hosting, They should have announced, if they wanted Mike Richards, they should have announced Mike Richards while Alex was still hosting and still alive. They could have had Mike Richards come on. Alex could have introduced him as the new host. He would have been standing next to Alex on that Jeopardy set, a great photo op. Alex could have given him his seal of approval to let all the legions of, of Jeopardy fans know that I, I am behind this choice, that Mike Richards is going to do a great job and going to continue the legacy that I started here. And I hope you will join him. And what Mike Richards could have done with Alex right next to him, he could have caught right back and said to Alex and to the new audience, it is my extreme honor to and privilege to succeed 
and to follow in Alex Trebek's huge footsteps. And I know that Alex is going to defeat this disease. And so while I am thankful, I also hope that this is one job offer that I don't have to accept for many, many years. Wow. How could anybody who watched the show argue with that? Alex has given his seal of approval. The new guy is being respectful to Alex and humble. He's rooting for Alex to beat this disease so he won't even have to take the job. Even though in the back of our minds we all know that he will. But he would have embraced and he would have endeared himself to that audience. Hey, look, gang. I may be replacing Alex somewhere down the line, but I'm with you. I don't want Alex to leave either, and I am hoping that he continues to host this show for many, many years. That's the way they should have done it. And then Alex, sadly, did pass away, and Mike Richards would have already have been announced. They could have started the show. He would have been accepted and embraced because Alex would have had his arm around him saying, folks, this is the guy. He's my guy. He's going to be your guy. That didn't happen. Alex didn't get a chance to sign off on his successor. So he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't pass the torch. He couldn't pass the baton. He couldn't look into that camera to those people he's been talking to for 37 years and tell them, I like this guy, you will too. Instead, same guy gets named after this charade, it looks like it was rigged. So what happened? Immediately, the social media and cancel culture vultures swooped down on Mike Richards. They were disgruntled. A lot of Star Trek people wanted LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton said that it was his destiny to host Jeopardy, right? So that, that, that was a little weird, too. This, 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 this whole job, when they, when they announced the winners finally after eight and a half months, I went outside to look to see if there's any white smoke billowing anywhere because it seemed like that the, the naming of the Jeopardy host uh, had the same importance as the election of a new pope. I was looking for white smoke because it seemed after eight and a half months, uh, this was really important if you watch the internet. But they totally screwed it up. And so when he was announced, people didn't like him because A, it looked like it was rigged because he worked for the show. He, in theory, was helping to make the decision on who to win. And then he picked himself. <laughs> How do you do that? So the whole charade may have been, an, uh, uh, you know, it may have been good for buzz and social media uh, you know, discussion for eight months and ratings, but it wasn't good for the one thing it was supposed to do was pick the successor to keep the show popular. So they named him. The, the cancel culture vultures were not happy. They swooped down, and within a week, Michael Richards, Mike Richards was a quiz show carcass. They found, of course... I mean, whose life these days, can, can, can anybody's life hold up to the kind of scrutiny that we now, if you do anything in public, can anybody's life hold up to the, to the bar when the cancel culture targets you? 
If they like you, you get a pass. I've said this before. Ted Danson wore blackface in 1993 in public. But we like Ted Danson, so he got a pass. Mike Richards did not have that kind of leverage to play on. He didn't have that in his background. He was just some guy who was stepping over Alex Trebek's grave to get this job that he probably always wanted, and he gave it to himself. That's the way it looked, and I can't even argue with it. Maybe it is the way it was. But that you know, perception is 90%, and that was a perception. Cancel culture people got in. They found some things from his background. There had been lawsuits about discrimination on some of the other shows he worked on. He also hosted a podcast. <laughs> Be careful what you say, Jim. Um, that nobody listened to. That was on 10 years ago. Nobody even knows it existed, but apparently he made some disparaging remarks on this podcast that nobody knew existed or nobody listened to about women and and Jews. I don't know what he said. I don't know, but that was enough to sink him. And so after eight and a half months and all of this hype and all of this quasi excitement and drama and and suspense they totally screwed this whole thing up and so as we speak today they're going back to the drawing board they're going to continue now to look for you know amongst either the people that have hosted before or new hosts Mayim Bellick, who oh, I mentioned, used to be Blossom. She was on Big Bang. She was announced with uh, Mike Ridges initially to host some prime time Jeopardy uh, specials because they probably said, well, look, we have a white guy here. We got to get a woman. So they had to do something to be diverse and play to that political correctness because you you you, you have a white guy replacing a white guy. So that they had to they had to create some kind of a diversity picture, but now uh, apparently this Mike Richards he 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 started filming five episodes and then the pressure for him was so intense by the social media people and, cult, and the cancel culture um, culture <laughs> that within a week he resigned. So eight months completely wasted. This charade exposed for being maybe rigged and a sham from the beginning. And just like in Afghanistan, nothing was accomplished because we still don't have a permanent host almost now a year after Alex Trebek's passing in November of 2020. It could have been done so easily with class and with style and with effectiveness. But instead, they got greedy. And when you get greedy, all the other dominoes fall. This is the worst decision on how to find a successor, not only since the Conan one, but I think this one even tops that one. Unbelievable how so many people involved in a decision and nobody raised their hands and said, 
do we really want to do this? I mean, I, I'm not involved in, I don't even watch Jeopardy. But the, the scenario that I gave you about how it should have been done, I think that's a pretty good way to have done it. To have Alex endorse the person. You wouldn't have been stepping on his grave or you wouldn't have been working behind his back waiting for him to die to find the, you know, if they were afraid of that, that was wrong. That's why you have him on with his arm around him, uh, you know, endorsing him. And that's why you have the new host saying, hey, I'm, I'm thankful to be offered this job, but I don't want to take this job for many years because we want Alex to beat this and be the host of Jeopardy that he is. How could anybody argue with that? Now, once again, I used to work in public relations, so I guess that's the way my head thinks. But I wish they would have called me because I think that would have been a little better than the blunder, the fiasco that they created here. I wish I I could say it's unbelievable, but it isn't because we've seen so many bad decisions, especially over the last 18 months. It seems like bad decisions are ruling the day now in our world, whether it's people not getting vaccinated, whether it's pulling out of Afghanistan. We're just making bad decisions these days. I'm actually glad that Alex Trebek didn't have to see what happened. I'll take game show gaffes for 500. Cancel culture name approved insert here whoever they want is going to get it it may be ken jennings it may be lavar burton but it's going to be a cancel culture candidate there's no doubt about that so alex we miss you we're sorry we failed the jeopardy challenge and so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Don't forget every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends, tell your family, send them a link, send them a message that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion and that little extra effort is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 275. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. Da 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 da